This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Guys, it's Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. As each Friday, we have someone that we share that we had an interview with to help raise your consciousness, to help break patterns, to help understand the mind more, or life, universal laws, spirituality, whatever can relate to level you up in the life of what you're doing. This week, we had the distinct pleasure and honor of interviewing Dr. Francis Aia, and what an interview this was. We dove into a ton of things about ego, shadow work, how if we don't, how spirituality, spirit is always working with us, and that sometimes if we don't pay attention to it, if we don't learn how to break through this over time, that there will be things that can come up that are going to be feel like life shattering, like a disease, an illness, a loss of loved one, something along those lines, to help us reflect and get back on path to what we were designed to do. And uh, I highly recommend this. It's a great, great interview. Um, but give you a little background about Dr. Francis. Francis is a mental health counselor. She's a Akashic Records reader, archetypal astrologer, podcast host, author, and college professor. She's earned her PhD in mental health counseling from Barry University and has studied metaphysics for more than three decades. Having been born into a cult and finally fearing herself and her children 33 years later, Francis is concerned that cults and other course, course, course of spiritual groups, teachings, techniques are on the rise. The therapy model and techniques she uses are based on universal laws and are designed to liberate individuals and restore self-love, self-empowerment, and self-worth. 
Her background in mental health counseling and metaphysics helps her create therapeutic models that help her clients gain personal insights and unlock the power of their own intuition by removing destructive subconscious programming. Dr. Francis serves clients nationally and internationally, and her mission is to help everyone free themselves from any source of spiritual coercion. But what a podcast, what a great episode. Um, we will dive into some of these things, and she'll talk a lot about how she does help in that process and so much more. I know you're going to get a lot out of this. So with no further, further ado, here is Dr. Francis. Dr. Francis, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. I'm excited to have you on. Even just in the pre, before jumping on here, I can already tell we're going to have a fun conversation for the listeners. So um, um, as my listeners know, I always like to get right into things. And uh, and I'm very, very curious to hear your story. So um, if you don't mind sharing your journey, how you got to doing what you're doing today, um, how did life kind of cultivate you and you can go as long as short as you like on that one. Absolutely. So I'll touch on some of the highlights. So I was actually born into a cult. I'm Cuban um, by heritage and it's not untraditional to be in like Afro-Cuban religions, which are mythology based. So I don't think the origin of the cult was intended to be a cult. I think the intention of the leader was to teach spiritual teachings. So I think the early years were pretty strong foundation for me spiritually. And my parents were actually the material arm of the spirit. So I learned at a very early age that spirit and matter are always together. And I see this in practice, something that people struggle. So I was forced into a marriage with the cult leader's um, nephew. And shortly after that, I had three children. I left the cult. And I met another man who was a, a medium as well. I was with him for a few years. So I found myself always sort of like um, in the claws of someone who was going to teach me spirit. And I broke up with him years later and I was at home and I was crying and I went to my altar and I threw all my you know relics away and I yelled at God and I said, if you really exist, show me. And I had a book called the Zohar, which is from the Kabbalist uh, tradition. And it opened up to a quote that said, there is no coercion in spirituality. And I realized at that age that I had never known true spirituality. So that really was for me, the turning point to seek. So um, I would go boating every week by my mom's house and she would watch this astrology program. And I was listening to uh, a psychologist on the show as a guest speaker. She was a Pisces and a psychologist just like me. And she says that astrology was just really easy for clients. In a few minutes, she could see their issues and then go into the session. So I called for a session the next day. And the gentleman that went on the TV show gave me a reading. And what should have been an hour lasted about 10 minutes, the most important 10 minutes of my life. He told me something I knew and something I didn't know. He told me I'd be divorced, which I was. And he told me that I could be in charge of my own life. And I didn't know that to be true. So I said, sign me up. So I started astrology classes with him. And what was supposed to be a 15-month program, I did in about six months. It's all mythology-based, symbology-based. I just 
learned so much content. And shortly after that, I was driving and I heard very clearly the words Akashic Records. So I Googled, I found a reader, I got a reading the next day. Next week, I signed up for her classes. At that point, I had sort of the foundation of my tools, which was astrology and the Akashic Records, which is what I still do to this day. I started seeing clients regularly. I built my practice. So that was sort of the foundation. And from there, one day in meditation, um, what I thought was a shaman guide showed up and he's like, I'm your next teacher. So I was driving and my guide say, check your phone. His name is in your phone. His name was Lone Wolf. And I look in my contacts and I have a phone number for Lone Wolf. You do not know who this person is. So I call him. He's like, oh, I've been waiting for your call. And he was about 45 minutes away. I went to visit him the next day. I took some shaman program with him for a bit. And then after I finished that, I went for like a local reading at a local store. And my ex-husband, my husband at the time, he's like, how was it? And I said, the best reading of my life and the worst reading of my life. I said, the best because I discovered that what I have is amazing. The worst because it wasn't just that great. So at that point, I stopped seeking outside in terms of teachers and realized that I really had that moment between my spiritual upbringing, my metaphysical and universal laws, my astrology, my shaman, Akashic Records, I had everything. And then I dove extremely deep into my own um, sort of synthesis of how I was going to make all of this possible for me and teaching and so forth. So that really was the birth a few years later, I got cancer for the first time. And I heard pull it out by the root. And at that moment, I realized I had to go very, very deep. I started severe intense shadow work. I created a shadow um, program. I have a book called The Seven Gates. It's all about the shadow discovery. I created all this content. And at that point, I started really diving deeper into my thoughts, my emotions, my desires, which I have a, a 12 truths to the spiritual path. And those are the, the first um, three two truths. And then I got cancer again. My entire life fell apart. I lost my hair. I lost my husband. My kids went to school. I lost my house. I lost my money. I lost everything. And I went into a severe depression for about three years where I laid on a couch and could do nothing. And then I got out of that and I changed my life. I put everything that I had written about and taught about and studied for years into practice. And that's where I'm here now. So I'm working on this book that'll be ready later this year. And I have this series on my YouTube called Spiritual Adulting, where from the moment of conception to our last breath, we are guided spiritually. And I'm sort of passionate about trying to help people to prevent the massive blow up of their life in order to find themselves, self-love, their spirit. Because in my spiritual adulting map, there is a link between seeking guidance and seeking your version of spirituality and a need for grief and or illness, so mental health or physical illness, in order to have permission to go deeper. 
societally, we're not supported to say, no, I need a day, I need a year. So we create the nonsense of illness, mental or physical, as I did, to be able to sit on a couch for three years and mourn what I had made of my life, an absolute mess. I call that shattering the snow globe. So I shatter snow globes for a living and I try to help clients get to that one session right off the bat. So then we can get to the real self and the issues immediately without having to take a two or three year hiatus from life to mourn. And you can mourn and grieve while you're doing the spiritual process. So that's a big part of the spiritual adulting book that I've written and this video series. So it's really, really important to me to get that out there, especially with the pandemic and all the mental health issues that have arisen out of that. What a story. I mean, there's so much, so many questions I have, but, uh, you know, one of the things is, you know, what you were talking about mourning and stuff, is that more, just for clarification, is that mourning of just like things you've done in the past? Is that mourning of letting go of old self to new self? Like, what is that emotion that has to, that shows up? Well, the actual grief process, if you've ever read like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the stages of grief, the grief process, her, her steps are right on point, but they're actually linked to the soul perspective. We begin a grief process, which is denial first stage, the moment we're conceived. The moment we're conceived, we create what I call this delusional snow globe. And until we shatter it with some earth shattering, what I call a perpetrator, we don't transition into our new life. Most of us are holding some really deep, dark secret, we think, our impurest thought that is given to us at the moment of conception. And we live our life a complete lie to hold that lie, that secret, so no one sees it. So we're building our entire life on a lie from the moment of conception. And they're very marked ages where we want to blow this up so that we can access that. So the grief process is actually mourning the life you've created, A, from past lives, because the moment of conception is determined on a vibration from your divine justice and your karma. So you're grieving sort of your past deeds. Impure thoughts, desires, emotions you've never processed. The reality of the earthly world of the nonsense you've made of your life. So it's really mind, body, and spirit that you're grieving. When you get to that point, and you open that vault up, you're very surprised what's in there and your demons, so to speak, come out, but they, they release you, you're liberated. So until we have that grief process, we're not fully liberated. There's a concept in Ayurvedic medicine called samprapti, and it's the six stages of diseases. In the Western world, it's usually stage five and six that we diagnose disease. But in Ayurvedic medicine, just the simple sort of upset to the system. That's my hope. Can I help you in your disease grief process early on so that you don't create a full-blown illness like I did? And we can. We don't have to blow up our lives, our marriages, you know, lose custody, the things that happen to me because we need to find our inner self and, and, and our deepest truths. So there's a lot of room there for growth through grief and mourning 
but it doesn't have to be as disastrous as many of us live it. So, so yeah, it's on all levels. When you, when you put it from a health perspective, I can relate a hundred percent on that because I'm in a profession where we try to help individuals when they don't have anything going on. I don't get that often, but it, I mean, I think in my career in 10 years, I've only had like a handful of people come in and just say, doc, I want to be the best person I could be health wise and feeling and function and all that. What can you do? And I'm always like, okay, this is going to be a whole different conversation <laughs> than what I'm going to have normally. Um, but no, I love how you bring up motivator. It is. And, and one of the things is like, you know, in the Bible, original sin, right? We do original sin. I I've done, you know, a lot of, I love what you're sharing here. Cause this makes perfect sense. Cause it's that, um, like I call it cultural identity where we let, and it's not just that it's fam. When I say culture, it's family, it's, it's friends, it's past lives, it's ancestral. It's all these things all mixed together. And then you create this identity and then the ego will hold that to stay true until you challenge it to break that. Right. And, uh, and, and, and this, is this sometimes too, where people have like the, 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 uh, the night of the a dark night of the soul process where there, that is the shattering process. And uh, in that, is that kind of similar to that, to the, what you're kind of talking about? Yeah. So first, let me address the first piece that you said, because that's actually right on point. So I'll just use astrology as as an example. I don't know if you're familiar with family constellations, but Bert Hellinger says your parents gave you life and that's enough. And I love that quote and I use it in all my books because it's the truth. So I say to clients, Pretend I'm your OBGYN and I hand you a ball of energy and say, here, this is your kid. They look at me like, well, where's the body? Exactly. Where's the body? That's what we need. Our soul needs a vehicle. And the entire purpose of your parents conceiving you is simply to give you a vehicle. But with that vehicle, you're given a body, obviously genetics, biology. You're given a value system. You're giving a thought process and you're given a level of consciousness. Those are the first four houses in astrology. They're the foundation, what you were speaking about. In the fifth house, I say we get a spiritual STD. If you don't get the spiritual STD, which is to say, think and do, your soul is sort of wrapped in the ego, in that personality, which is thoughts, emotions, desires that were gifted to you at conception, low vibration. Your job, like Joseph Campbell says, heed the call, is to basically rid yourself of those skins. And that's found in a beautiful myth of Hercules and the Nemean lion. When you rip away those skins of your faults, thoughts, beliefs, desires, emotions, consciousness, then you're actually on that sort of journey forward. That is most often accompanied by a dark night of the soul. It may not be the darkest night of the soul, though. So dark night of the soul archetypally is ruled by Pluto, but Saturn that we have more frequently, I call them the skinny cows, are every seven years we're sort of given an opportunity to move into that STD, to become that that spiritual soul self and heed the call. But a lot of us don't. And we kind of put it under the rug. We might do a little work, but really not that much. And our soul begs us for what I call a perpetrator to perpetrate, to push us forward into the STD process. And it's accompanied with this dark night of the soul. And that's Pluto. 
And Pluto is the criminal, it's the perpetrator. He's the one that rules all of our transitions. So I have a four-step model of how the subconscious develops. And the third stage is the birth process. So if you know your birth story is great, but any transition will speak to this. We have three major transitions, the birth, sexuality, and death out of the physical body. Those three transitions are ruled by Pluto. So when we have not been able to get out of that snow globe and shatter it fully with those sort of soft, quote unquote, soft Saturn cycles, we create a perpetrator, a criminal, some sort of drastic blow up to force us forward through the birth canal, if you will. We call that a, a dark night of the soul. It's often accompanied with some sort of illness or grief or loss. And if you want to know what it is, it's usually it reminds me and maybe I'm aging myself here. But Eddie Murphy, many years ago, had a comedy show called Raw. And a big stint was half, half. His wife wanted half. That's Pluto. Pluto wants half. He wants you to give half to matter, which is what you're doing. Emotions, beliefs, thoughts, consciousness and half to God or spirit yourself. So when something ends abruptly, when something is pulled from you, there's no closure, a death, you become a widow, your partner dies in an accident, you lose custody of your kids, something half, that's Pluto. That is you creating that grief, that perpetrator, so that you can literally push out of the birth canal into your new transition. But we can minimize it. Some births are easy, <laughs> some births are traumatic, we get to choose. So hopefully I call myself the perpetrator. I'm the Pitocin that pushes you through the birth canal so that you can then kind of move forward in your transition. And hopefully it's a little smooth sailing and not umbilical cord wrapped around your neck. I love that. Oh, I love man. the analogies with that. I think it's, it's one of those things that uh, you just, it's eloquently broken down and it's, uh, it's, it's one, it is like spirit can, it'll give you friendly little nudges and just kind of say, Hey, you know, I'm kind of making you right. go this way. And then if you say, yeah, no, that's great. Or you get back pulled into your, your comfort zone or whatever that is. Uh, then all of a sudden spirit, like, okay, fine. We're going to have to bring uh, bigger players into this. Cause right. I always tell people you have like a, a spiritual, you know, a spiritual path, a spiritual came here for an experience. Right. And it's, and, and then no matter what, you're going to get that experience. Like it's going to happen unless it's in the cards that you can, you know, divert away. But if it's not, it's going to happen. And people are like, well, what do you mean? How does, but how does everything happen? Like, trust me, look at your life. You'll see it. <laughs> look backwards. You'll see like, Oh crap. Look at this. What happened here? Look what happened there. Like if that didn't have to happen or if I didn't get, look what the, something happens. Right. Then you go back and go, okay, how did I create that? How did I, allow that to happen. What did I miss along the journey that, and I tell patients this all the time too in health, like someone comes in, I love this where a patient will come in and a guy will, it's mostly, I mentioned males in this, not that it could be anyhow, but because they're they're big guys and they're like, they can barely walk in. And I always love asking the question. I'm like, so how did this happen? And they're like, I was picking up my son's Lego or I I was going to pick up a sock. And I'm like, that had to be a very heavy Lego and sock for that to happen. So in their mindset, right, they're thinking, oh, it was that moment. 
And then I have to, I'm like, I have to walk them through and you probably do the same thing where I'm like, let's go back now. Let's see. Have you ever had this happen? Or did you ever have like a little dull ache and it went away and you thought nothing of it? Yeah, I've had that. How about this? Did you ever do something here? And, oh yeah, I had that too. I'm like, those were little clues. Like, you know, the body was exhausted. You've been burning the reserves. And now there's coming to a point where if you don't pay attention, it will slap you across the face. Because if you don't change, life is going to make you change one way or another. So it's interesting what you said about this is going to happen. Just like we age physically, we age spiritually. Our spiritual growth is programmed age by age. That's the purpose of the spiritual adulting series from the moment of conception to our last breath in this lifetime. It continues, obviously, but during the lifetime. And it's actually programmed into us. Every marked year will keep you in your spiritual growth. Now, to use the analogy of of medicine or or biology, you can age beautifully if you take care of your skin and you exercise and you eat well. You can do the same thing with your spiritual growth. So I'm a bit of a spiritual glutton and I use the, the fruit analogy. You're going to grow spiritually. It might be a tiny little grape. Well, I want a big jackfruit. So I work on spiritual gluttony to grow spiritual, but you are guaranteed, you are guaranteed at least a little grape just by virtue of being a spirit in a body. So that's programmed. And that's a really great point that you make because we are nudged. These skinny cows that I say are those sort of Saturn cycles. And there are some others too, but those are the primary ones. But if you aren't paying attention You need to get your own attention. Your spirit needs to get your own attention and it will be in a Pluto transit and you will never, ever forget that. When I do charts for people, I'm like, so what happened this year? And it's all, and I'm like, it had to be big. And they're like, oh my God, life changing, you know, whatever it was. And it's, it's always very memorable. So we are definitely guided from, you know, uh, womb to tomb spiritually, but we haven't been educated as to what's happening along the journey, what we should do along the journey to maximize the growth. And I have this whole psychological homeostasis program. The body's homeostasis is actually designed to help you. The psyche's homeostasis is designed to hurt you. And that is so important for people to understand. It's to keep us in instinct, to keep us in emotion, to keep us in child, to keep us in that that perfect snow globe, so to speak, that womb. And if we don't leave the womb in our psyche, we are stuck in a really bad negative feedback loop. And the only sort of disturbance we have is that Pluto, that criminal, that perpetrator that comes to sort of blow it up so we can come out of the snow globe. But I have to tell clients, that's not a guarantee. You can go through an illness, and I'm sure you see this all the time. You can go through a grief process, a loss, and then go right back into the system and pick up what I call your toxic waters, pick right back up and go into the nonsense. So it's not a guarantee. This is spirituality is a full time job. Like this isn't what I call post-it note spirituality. This is not fluff. It's not crystals and and, and pendulums. This is hard work, self-analysis, looking at your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, your level of consciousness. It is full-time job. You won't have time for anything else if you really get on this path. But there is an intermediate, what I call the 48 to 52, where you can, and you and, and is what the, the teachers teach us, be in the spirit and be in the body all at once, do it all at once. 
That's the point. That's what Jesus, Buddha, Krishna came to teach. And we're a bit far removed with that, with the new age and this post-it note spirituality. And, and my hope is to bring some awareness around that so that we can balance both and have a really healthy, beautiful material life and what that means for you, as well as a beautiful, spiritual, abundant life. I love that. Yeah, it's like one of the things where, and I don't know if I'm, 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 I may hit the mark with you on this, I may not, when it comes to the new age movement and, and kind of the stuff that goes on, like, well, I'll just do this and everything will be fine. And I, I, and, or, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I'm all about mindset. This is what I teach and this is what I'm, I've tried mastering over the years. And I, I get that and, and, and I use spiritual principles and truth and all that with it. But I always, I liked more of the, no, this is, this is like, uh, I'm going to be a little extreme here. This is like hell because you're doing the work. This is where nothing is all airy and fluffy because you can go, if you think that's how it is, go downtown to New York or, or, or Chicago and just start saying hi to people and watch how you get weird looks. Um, Chicago is a little more friendly. That's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's one of the things where um, it, 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 you have to constantly do the hard stuff. And, and I, you know, it took me a while to grasp that because I got caught up into that new age movement. And I was like, oh, great. Life doesn't have to be hard. You can just mentally think of certain things. People are like, no, you know, some, some people will guide us like, no, it's just where your mindset is. If it doesn't happen, that means you're just not focused enough. You're not thinking this way. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, I didn't know any better. And then as I started practicing this, I was kind of like, no, you got to do the work. <laughs> Like, you got to be open to it. Like, bring it on. And so then all of a sudden, I flipped the script. And I'm like, you know what? Everything that happens to comes my way, it's, I'm going to take a moment with it. I'm going to process it. And I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to let that be my teacher instead of me, you know, seeking. Nothing wrong with having teachers. You need them. But it's it's just the essence of, like, how do I let that my life guide me in that way, in a sense? And then it was a whole new world in so many different ways. Yeah. So you touch on a few important points. There's a great myth called the Garden of Hesperides. It's a Hercules myth, and it speaks about the spiritual teachers. We do need spiritual teachers, but the problem is there's two types of spiritual teachers. And in this myth, the nudge that we were talking about earlier, his name is Nereus. That's what I hope to be. Provide a nugget of information, give you a question to ask yourself, and it's on your path, your journey, your way. Buceris, which is unfortunately what I got in the in the clause of for many years, is the one that promised you the, you know, the illusions and the bells and whistles and the fun stuff, the fluff. And we get very enamored. And that is the word enamored with that. And we have to be very weary. And in the myth, Hercules is nudged by Nereus in the right direction, which is all we're here to do in terms of helping others. Busiris ties him up, takes his clothes and leaves him sort of for dead. And he has to start all over again. And you said something super important, using life as your teacher. That's the law of correspondence. I live my life by that law. I live by eight universal laws, but that is my primary law. There is nothing that enters my sphere, nothing that I don't ask, what is this teaching? I call that extract the essence. Every conversation, every happenstance, everything is a message. I may not know it immediately. I have a, a procedure I call the Mr. Potato Headed. So I might take a few situations and then I string it together and I Mr. Potato Head. It's one of the tools I use when I teach people how to develop intuition. And within two or three circumstances, you're going to have the string 
of information that your guidance is giving you. Because it's not always immediately clear, why did this car accident show up? So you, you sometimes, like you said, need some time to process that. But if you're in that constant self-analysis, you will see that you are always guided. And you also said something very important earlier about your, your, your clients. How did you create this? If you do not take personal responsibility that you have created absolutely every single thing in your life, that is your starting point. That's what you're grieving. That's the grief process. When you get to that realization that every single thing, all the nonsense was you, caused by you for your growth, you have to grieve that. I had to grieve my custody battle, my marriage, my chemo. I had so much to grieve. That's why I was on a couch for three years. But once I grieved it fully, I, I'm just in such a pace, place of stability and peace. And that is something very important that I like to discuss with people. We don't like the shadows. We don't like discomfort, especially in the Western world. We like comforts and I'm as comfortable seeking and as lazy as the rest of them. But we don't offer a receptacle for people to feel uncomfortable and process this. That's one of the reasons that illness is almost our last resort. When I was going through my depression for three years, I would go to work every day. And I had this one woman who held the space for me and this other gentleman. And every day I was like, yeah, it's a bad day. Not feeling it today. Some people would turn the heads. Some people would be like, oh, she's nuts. And other people would hold the space. It's our responsibility in the age of Aquarius. We're not here to save anybody. The nonsense that we're a savior or a healer or a rescuer is programmed in us from birth. But that isn't true. But you can be a receptacle. You can hold the space for someone to do their own healing. And that really starts with getting uncomfortable with the uncomfortable with yourself and allowing other people to just openly say, I'm having a bad day, but we're not conditioned in society. So illness is sort of like the only acceptable means. But if we shift as a society and in the age of Aquarius, where we're just humanitarians, the servants for others and, and for ourselves, we create the space for ourselves to be uncomfortable and grieve in public. I'm having a bad day. Things are not good then we're saying to the other person, embrace your shadow, embrace your grief. I'll hold it for you while you hold it for me. And that's true healing. That's the age of Aquarius. So that's sort of the stuff I'm working on in my practice, in my relationships, in my life. And, and I was lucky enough to sort of make people uncomfortable, which is something that I'm very comfortable doing. And then people accepting that. And now those same people are coming to me for me to do that for them. And that's re the real humanitarian. It's not pretending we're healing or, or wounded warriors and wounded. That's old savior age of Pisces stuff. We're, that's not where we're in. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's, you know, it, it's interesting how we really do try to avoid that darkness. Because, again, you said something earlier, and I love it, how, you know, the mind, you know, homeostasis of the body is a good thing, but homeostasis of the mind isn't. And I love that because it's so true. Ego, if you want to call it ego, but the mind, the brain's designed to keep you comfortable. It's designed to keep you in this realm. Like, here you go. You figure things out. Now just sit back and enjoy. And it's like, um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm grateful. I've I grew up in a in in a family and a culture. Where I saw that, and a lot of people do this, but um, 
I got to see it. And I was always like, no, let's, you gotta, you gotta change things up. You gotta stir the pot every once in a while. And uh, I remember stories. My mom will tell me about like how she like, yeah, when you come in, it was just like, and when you get involved, it's like, everything just explodes. <laughs> and the perpetrator like me. <laughs> exactly. Cause I'd be like, I don't mean it in a bad way. Like I didn't have no evil intent, like never in my heart did I have evil intent. She goes, yeah, but when you get involved, holy cow. And I'm like, I go, you ever think maybe I'm opening things up in you? And I didn't know this back then. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Spirit was always trying to show me something. Absolutely. So you said something earlier that was interesting where you said to clients that they're in hell. And I actually just posted yesterday about this. So I have this dethroning Olympus series. I work a lot with like the Greek gods. And so yesterday I dethroned God. So I first dethroned your parents and then I dethroned God. And it's, it's symbolic of that rescuer, savior that we think we are. It's, it's not God per se, the universe is the universe. But all of the myths, all of the stories that are related to the perpetrator, to Pluto, to, to being the catalyst that you've been for your family are all in the underworld, quote unquote, hell. So hell is, you know, one goddess, uh, you got Pluto, Hades, Dispater, Inanna, Lucifer, Jesus, Kalima, they, there's a Katani gods in all of the mythologies because there's a reason we need to go to the underworld. There's a reason we need to go to the depths of hell, which is here in our psyche because Pluto holds the riches. He's in charge of minerals, mineral, spiritual, material wealth. You can have both spiritual wealth and material wealth. They're not in conflict at all. But you got to do the work. You have to go to the depths of hell. And Pluto is guarded by a three-headed dog named Cerberus. And he guards the underworld so that no one escapes. That's who guards us. Our thoughts, our desires, and our emotions. The first three truths of a spiritual path. If you do not confront that three-headed dog, you are trapped in your own hell, your hell loop. And that's what we don't want to do. And so we make it very uncomfortable for people to do that work in our society, therefore make it hard by us. Therefore, of course, the need for illness and a permission through some nonsense, divorce or widow or illness to do the work. And there, there, there's a different way because some property says that there's six ages of illness. We just with a minor disturbance, we have permission to do the work. We just have to make it a societal norm. Agree. I love that. The three-headed dog. I totally forgot all about that. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I know when you're talking about names, I'm like, hold on, what's you saying there? I'm, like, okay, I'm trying to remember here. I, I like Greek mythology. I can't help it. <laughs> I, I weave myth and symbol. Well, I understand the language of the universe to be myth, symbol, and metaphor. So that's what I study. So whether it's tarot or astrology or, or symbolism or mythology, that's how spirit speaks to us. So you have to get a little past the intellect and go into intuitive guidance, which is that language. That's where the law of correspondence, sometimes you have to Mr. Potato Head it because it's not very clear and you have to kind of say, oh, that's what they're telling me. But that three-headed dog is super symbolic. If we can actually look at those three aspects, then we can go into the spiritual STD process, which you were talking about, ego, which ego is simply our divine will, our directed divine will, our soul directed, but with the crap of the thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and low consciousness. That's it. Ego isn't bad. It's just covered in junk. 
I wrote a book called The Walk in the Dark, and, and I tried to tackle this in two chapters, which I, I don't know if I did a great job, but I, it, I even say in the book, I'm like, I'm going to try and tackle this, that people have written books on this concept of how ego is not a bad thing, you know, and I kind of yeah. kind of walk through that process yeah. uh, because if we didn't have ego, we wouldn't be here. Humanity wouldn't evolve to where we are today. We wouldn't be able to recognize patterns and all that good stuff. But um, Well, and the ego provides something extremely important which is a boundary. The minute you're in a body, you have an ego. Well, it distinguishes you from your mother. Of course, that that body is a boundary. Yes, we're all one. Principle of mentalism, all is mine. We're all one. We understand that. And the law of correspondence confirms by whatever happens to you in front of me is a message for me too. But we need our boundary. My entire sort of theories postulate what I call the 48 to 52. I have to stay on my kingdom. I have to mind my plaque, my, my place, so that you can mind yours. And if I jump into your space and take over your space, then I prohibit you from feeding and flying. So I have to stay on my side of the road and just model from over here. So ego is extremely important. If spiritual teacher, and I say this to, to clients all the time, if you ever have a spiritual teacher that says, I have no ego, run, because that's a narcissist. <laughs> that is so true on so many levels. Well, because I mean, even too, like, I don't know if you had to go through this. I know I do in all the teachings, how they used to bash ego and how you had to dissolve the ego. And I always, I got to a point of a principle which said, I'm like, hold on here. The body never creates anything it doesn't need. The universe doesn't create anything it doesn't need. Nature doesn't create anything it doesn't Absolutely. need. So I was like, if we have an ego, there is a beautiful purpose of why we need this. And I'm going to find that out. And that's where it took <laughs> me down a whole path where I'm like, hold up. This is a, and then I started again. I like my mind works in a way where I'm like, okay, if it's good there, okay. What other areas of life is it going to show that truth? Cause it's hidden. It's there. It's and there. The, absolutely. In neurology, you'll see it. And all these other things I'm like, Oh, this is fascinating. So very, very cool stuff when it comes to those kind of things. But yeah, I think that's one of the concepts that, you know, it, it would just say like, um, when I asked the question on ego, it's going away. Some about like where, is it we live in a world today where we are very so tuned into the mind letting ego dictate our lives right like you look at it nowadays like i get it sometimes where you know because being in the health world with covid uh being a chiropractor being holistic i may be sharing things that goes against the narrative or some along those lines and it was always fascinating where people will be like well, i know how you are because this is what you are and they label and they throw all these things in there and i'm always like man, can we just get away from the labels? Like you don't, I'm not that label. Like I don't right, know, don't right. throw a label, but we live in that kind of society. How do, is that just society's not doing the work and we're just kind of perpetuating this so kind of process? When we're conceived, we were told two very big lies or, or birth, we're told two very big lies that our parents love us unconditionally or they should. And that our parents are here to meet our needs. That is absolutely not true. We are never going to be loved unconditionally unless we love ourselves unconditionally. It is not anyone else's job. It's not your partners. It's not your kids. It's not your parents. It's your job. The second thing is we are here to meet our parents' needs. So we go through life in this snow globe as a child. Basically, we're in the womb walking around looking for mom. And we do that three ways. They're the three unmet needs. Love is a given. We all have it. First is safety, security. 
Second is protection. And third is validation. We are definitely a society of validation with money, with intellect, with cars, whatever it is. That is the main sort of need. But we have all three plus the love need. So that's what people are responding to. I'll meet your need if you meet mine. We're just children in these adult bodies trying, sucking our thumb saying, okay, I'm going to do this for you. And it's a secret language I have so that you can meet my need in return. And no one's needs are met. We blow up really. I see a lot of couples. I have a whole theory for couple. It is no one's job to meet your need. It's your job. But we're not told this. So that's where validation comes in. That's where the ego. So in a, from an archetypal standpoint, it's the masculine or Mars. And it's go, 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 go. It's the drive, the drive to work, the ambition, the money. Well, there's a counterpart to that, which is Venus, which is the feminine. The law of gender, you can't be balanced if you don't have both energies in a balanced state, but we don't value. It goes back to holding space or being a container for someone to share their, their sadness. We don't value compassion and empathy and love and these so sort of soft corners, as I call them. I struggled with that myself. And that's also how we treat our inner child. It's like, go, go, go. You're a loser. You're a junk. You're this, you're that. So it's a constant bashing. And the feminine principle, the, the compassion, the love, the empathy, the container, the receptacle, that's from mythology, is sort of just there, empty, waiting to be utilized to hold the space so that we can be in balance. So it's not that ego is bad. Ego is simply, in the simplest terms, your soul with a direction. If you look at the glyph of Mars, the male glyph, it's circled spirit with an arrow, directed spirit. It's exactly where you're headed and where you're supposed to go. But you misdirect it when you're like, oh, that person's going to meet my needs. That person's going to meet my needs. And if you use your ego, your divine spirit, your soul, actually, and direct yourself based on meeting your own needs, we would create less nonsense. I love that. I love the whole concept you gave a visual. I'm sitting back in my head going, that's why we call it sins. If you look at the principle of the word sins, uh, what it really comes from, it's from archery. And it just means missing the book, missing, missing, missing the mark. Yes. And because, again, I come from a Roman Catholic, Italian or Italian Roman Catholic background. So, right, that's like ingrained. It was ingrained in my head at one time. But it was interesting because I'd be like, why is everyone sinners? I go, I don't like that. You know, I'm a sinner right off the bat. I and I was like, I just, I went on this whole thing when I was in my teenage, late teenage years. And, uh, but then all of a sudden I was like, hold on, there's gotta be, there's a truth. It's gotta look for it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. That aspect of it. I totally get Cause you're off your purpose. You're off from yeah. where you, you should be. So exactly. And the actual symbol of, and, and from archery, which is the sun symbol in your astrology chart is a circle with a dot in the middle. And Jesus was the son of God, S-U-N, not S-O-N. That's part of my whole dethroning God. That's in you, your divine spark. You missed the mark. There's a great myth of Icarus where his father glues the wings onto him. And he's like, don't get too, too high. Don't fly too, too low. It's that 48 to 52, what I call it, which is like that sweet spot, that perfect mark. When you're in the 48 to 52, call it the yin yang, the golden mean, the Tao, the way, no extremes. I call it 48 to 52. 
then you don't miss the mark. You're still in the body. You're obviously going to be quote unquote sin because you're in an unpure vehicle, but your soul doesn't miss the mark. And that's the whole symbolism of sun, the glyph of the sun, the original sin. So you don't fly too, too high. That's ego sort of narcissistic on God. And too, too low is playing small. That's another form of narcissism, playing small, trying to get your needs met. Neither one works. You, it is simply that midpoint. Then you're right on mark and that ego, so to speak, that soul now has a direct purpose and will absolutely hit the center mark of the bullseye. I love that. I think that that's awesome. Um, I love the concept, love the reference with Jesus and so forth. I had one time someone tell me, uh, they go, when you listen to the passages, he says in the New Testament, if you change when he says, I am the way and say you are the way and you switch all that around, he was really sharing to you what who you really are, like the essence that you have in you, rather than uh, um, saying like the, the way it, religion has been, has portrayed him to be like the, the gatekeeper to all things. Right. And that's the, the only thing savior. is... The thing is that uh, spiritual texts like the Bible are metaphysical texts and they were wrapped in manipulation, control, and we needed Hammurabi's code was sort of the first code for conduct in a society. And we need that. And religion, if you've traveled through Europe, you'll see that the religious temples are the center. Now it's more like government buildings, but the church was the center and we need need ethics and morality and all that. But the thing is, they use it for their own purpose to manipulate. And we really went far away. So I have a series I call Explaining Metaphysical Jesus. Metaphysical Jesus. He was a shaman. He was a yogi. He was not a Capricorn. He was a Leo. And explaining. So I I love the Bible and I love Jesus. I mean, you're not on, you're on video. So here's my, my picture of Jesus right next to me. Like, But we've been taught wrong. And if you strip it and take it to the universal laws and the metaphysical teachings, and he was an astrologer, he was born, died on the fixed cross. There were three crosses on the hill for a reason. He was assigned by the the star for a reason. This is all astrology. So there are many, many passages in the Bible that I deconstruct and I show people it's metaphysics, it's spiritual teachings. It's just been hidden in the guise of this savior. And that has done a lot of damage to our psyche because we still have in mind that there is a savior that is coming. And that's part of my dethroning God series. You're the savior. And that perpetrator or that hell or that Pluto archetype is actually the one that saves you. It's that part of you that creates the crisis that pushes you forward that is the savior that you've been waiting for. But we've been sort of told that it's a person. And that archetype of Pluto, at the highest vibration, he's known as the magician. So people love Merlin and magic. What's behind the screen? It's you. You're the wizard. You have the ruby red slippers. You've been wearing them all along, but you've been waiting for some savior to tell you to click your heels. So part of my job in, in all of these teachings and really giving step-by-step direction, because I, I, I feel that that's missing in the literature. It's very easy to read these things, write action, write, you know, a thought, control your mind and not give any direction to people. So I, I have a, what's called a spiritual starter kit where I give you step-by-step-by-step 12 truths on a spiritual tradition. It doesn't matter your religion, your faith does not matter. These are truths, truths. 
and to show you that. That's the magician. So we can high vibration that magician instead of a low vibration destructor or perpetrator and blow up our life. That's what I hope that we can eliminate sort of the nonsense to get to the magic that's within. I love that. Um, that that's I'm with you 100% on that one. Yeah, that's that's what we need to do and, and help break kind of, I call it the chains or the, the, the prison, not the prison to a certain degree, but the chains that hold us back to not allowing us to get up to that level. Um, Doc, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but um, I'm curious, before we wrap this up, how can people connect with you, see all that you're doing, what you're up to, follow you for your new book and all that good stuff? Sure. So there's several ways. My website is the best way. It's dryahia.com. That's Y-A-H-I-A. I have a YouTube channel with hundreds and hundreds of hours of all this stuff. On my website, I have a workbook tab. There are tons of workbooks. If you want to do individual shadow work, that's linked to my book called The Seven Gates, Seven Steps Beyond Self-Awareness. The workbook is on there. I've got a workbook if you're working through relationship issues and you want to do the shadow work. I've got Dethroning Olympus. These are all books that are coming out later this year. Seven Gates is already out. I also have another book. If people are very into ceremony and ritual, which is one way to help shift the subconscious, that's the fun magic way. You still have to do the the hard work. But I did write a book called Witch Bitch, Ceremonies for Gods and Goddesses um, to help support um, the, the sort of rituals and ceremonies that help us transition. Um, Dethroning Olympus is a family systems model. And I have the spiritual adulting series um, as well. That's from literally from womb to tomb, everything that happens along the way. I have a Patreon. Um, it's a spiritual starter kit. If you're just starting out or you need just guidance step-by-step, that's a great way to connect. I have these step-by-step videos and a discord. Um, so you have contact with me. I also have a college. It's called Hidden Truths College of Metaphysics, where I teach consciousness coaching. I teach astrology, Akashic records, shamanism, all of these traditions. And I tie in myth, symbol, archetype, depth psychology, shadow work into all of them. It's a very much a self-discovery process, but some people are attracted more to shamanism than hermetic philosophy. So I provide them all. The, the teachings are the same, just sort of wrapped in different language. So you can pick your poison. I love that. For the listeners, I'll have all that info in the show notes. Um, Doc, this was a lot of fun. Um, I love the work you're doing. I knew this was going to be a fun convo, and uh, I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thanks for all that you're doing and sharing to the world and helping humanity raise up to another level or higher level. And I just appreciate you, and thanks for taking time to share space with uh, the Mindful Experiment uh, crew. Thank you to you and your listeners. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.